0: Hi, I'm Harry. Hi, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film.
1: Yes, thank you for listening to Games on Film, the podcast that celebrates movies based on totally totally awesome video games. Yes, we've had that stuck in our head ever since watching the film we're discussing
0: today, which is, Rory? It's the 1983 teen sets comedy set in a video arcade, Joysticks. Mm. This film was created
1: when somebody walked into an arcade and saw people waggling joysticks and thought... I know what those look like. (laughs) I note actually it came out, I think, March the 4th, 1983, which is only a few weeks shy of my birthday. Yeah, so this film is 30... How old am I? 36 years old. Kind of a time capsule, let's call this.
0: Yeah, I think product of its time... TM is how I would label joysticks.
1: So look, we are two boys. We are two brothers. And I am very conscious of the fact that we have yet to have any sort of female presence as a guest on this podcast. I occasionally talk about my missus, and as you do yours. I was worried slightly about walking on thin ice when it came to discussing um, this heavily booby-centric film. But I think, as you say... It's a a product of its time.
0: <laughs> yes. When, when you say it's a time capsule, you're right in the fact that this film is set in a video games arcade at the time. So it has lots of footage and examples of video games from 1983. Mm-hmm. But it's also very much a film that could only have been made mm-hmm. in and around uh, 1982, 1983, that era, because of its... Um, uh nature i would suppose you couldn't (laughs) really i would say you couldn't really get away with a film like this nowadays i feel like people are still making these kind of films they just don't really get theatrical releases
1: so again it is a 80s sex comedy whereas a lot of the scene seems to revolve around um boobs appearing and i think in the early 2000s there was things like american pie and stuff coming out but i think there was like a like an irony to them in a way. And then you look back at them and you realize, oh no, he's totally trying to film a lady with his webcam. That's not on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's kind of like, um, like a birth of a nation of video game movies in a way, where you look back and think, oh, this is this is a, a time capsule,
0: but oh my God, don't say you actually enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I I think you're right in that. Well, just to put this film in context, 1983, by this time... You've had things like Animal House. I think uh, most people would say Animal House maybe kit-started this sort of era of teen sets comedies, though I think released in the same year was Lemon Popsicle, which was a very popular series of Israeli teen sets comedy films set in the 50s, which was then remade as The Last American Virgin. Okay. Um, but then you have things like Porky's. I think after Joysticks you had like Revenge of the Nerds. So we're talking this sort of era of film where Mm. all you really needed to do to make a successful movie was just hire some people to get in sexy situations and make it all kind of silly and farcical. (laughs) I like your description there. I need to hire some people for some sexy situations. I'm pretty sure that's what the casting was. do Do you mean sex? No, sexy situations. I mean, that's the thing: is that the, the idea of the sets comedy, they're rarely actually very sexy. the The idea is, I mean, the thing is, this film is very much an extension, in a way, of Carry On movies. Yeah, I'd say it's very much British
1: carry- picture, pi- British postcards on the beach.
0: Sort yeah, of yeah, this is like Carry On computer games. If you know <laughs> Kenneth Williams and Barbara Windsor and people decided to kind of make movies during that era i'm
1: missing that i would love to have seen a carry-on film with like pinball machines like (laughs) pulling flippers and all that stuff that's what you do now in the pinball you pull a flipper
0: Yeah, yeah exactly
1: i mean actually really bizarrely watching this film i realized i'd never really watched any teen sex comedies so this might have been this might have popped my cherry <laughs> to, um, for the teen sex comedies, and um, you know, as a twenty first century grown up, when you've got a mobile phone in your pocket, which is an absolute gateway to any sort of depravity, should you search for it in uh, incognito mode, it's funny to look back at this era when it, that was it was easy access to softcore pornography. Because yeah, I in my notes here, there are scenes where I just think this is. This is... There's like a a strip... Is it strip Pac-Man? Yeah,
0: like strip video, I think they call it. Strip video.
1: There's a section in this film where the owner of the arcade brings a couple of girls into the back room where he's got a console called... uh, Well, an arcade cabinet called Sex Video. Every time you lose a life, the ladies take a bit of clothing off. And I was trying to work out... There's nothing compelling you to do that. That's not... The game hasn't hacked your brain and made you undress. And then they fall onto the fuck bed. He also has... Uh, in the, He's got a bed in his back room, so...
0: Yeah, his... I don't know whether that was meant to be his office or just his set's dungeon, but it was little
1: just... Little from Column A, little from B.
0: <laughs> it was B. It was just wall-to-wall posters of boobs. And I didn't spot this, but my fiance, who was... Oh, you watched it with the missus? Well, she, she was kind of watching it out the corner of her eye while she was doing something far more intellectual. Um... <laughs> But I had to rewind it, but just behind him on his set bed, he has a plant pot shaped like a pair of breasts. There's just a porcelain set of boobs with plants coming out of it. Classy.
1: I like the metaphor. I don't know what it means, if it it means anything. I mean, there are sex comedies... And exploitation movies, which are, have, are nasty and uh, they feel exploitative. And there's also, I think, some sex comedies where just everyone's having fun. And I feel it sometimes skirts the line. There's yeah. one deeply problematic line, which I'll get to later. But I think everyone who gets their kit off in this movie, I think, enjoyed that lifestyle. There's one or two playmates in the film and I, I I don't think it's a nasty sex comedy. Maybe wrong-headed, but I don't think they are. I don't think there's any sort of nasty jokes at the expense of anyone. I mean, I guess beating around the bush here. I've not watched Reve- Revenge of the Nerds. No, nor I. But I know its reputation because in that scene, somebody has sex with somebody um, thinking they're somebody else, and that's played for yucks. And I'm like, I don't think I want to watch that film.
0: Yeah, there's a point, you will get to it, where it almost approaches that territory. But I would, I would agree to an extent that, while the film is certainly leery, I'd say, because there's quite a lot of shots of just butts, <laughs> just girls' butts, and lots of close-ups of boobs filling the cinema screen, I imagine, at the time. It's certainly more playful, and it feels very much still that the female characters in the film are more or less in control of the situation. Sometimes they are pranked and sometimes... But they seem kind of happy just to get their kit off all the time. They seem very open to it. I mean, I think in the first five... Well,
1: I wouldn't say... Let's go five minutes? No, first four minutes. No, first two minutes of the film, they wrote um, the two main um, undressers... Just take their top off to flash at uh, one of our protagonists, and uh, yeah, they just seem seem quite free spirited. But hey ho, I mean, I'm sure if, if if you disagree, I hold my hands up. I'm not an expert.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I think this film still leaves you with a degree of uncleanliness, <laughs> but I I was more worried about the lines that it could potentially cross, and it it generally stayed on the line of. To quote one of the characters, "Good, clean, fun," mm-hmm. as opposed to nasty. This is very wrong, and no one should watch this in this day and age. You're,
1: you're painting a picture of um, me playing bowling, and when your toe just goes over the line, I think that's what this film does. <laughs> the toe maybe maybe goes over the line, but it's it's mostly good, cleanish fun. <laughs> yeah. Well.
0: Well. Yeah. Well, don't quote me on that. Whether the film is actually fun or not is a entirely different matter. Yeah. Talking about the setting mm-hmm. as a time capsule, as you mentioned before, how representative, in your mind, do you think this is of arcade, and arcade culture of the mm-hmm. 80s?
1: Out of all the films we talk about, this is one of the few films which are definitely about video games and definitely about arcades. And actually it's, uh, I guess... While I really enjoy talking about video game movies, they do fall into quite samey genres. We've got a lot of action, a lot of horror, a lot of action horror, a lot of... um, It's not a genre, but a lot of uh, animated movies, uh, a lot of Pokemon movies. (laughs) Um, So it was quite nice to do a film where video games were the subject matter. In terms of its representation of arcades it's a fantasy i remember arcades being a lot smokier arcades are filling in the ground in the uk right now there's only a few places i can go where um there's just there's noise everywhere and machines everywhere and i think the last time i went to an arcade which really excited me was at Chessington world of adventures and they had it was on off season so all the rides were not there but the zoo was there and also an arcade and they have like a Fully functional Batsman Batmobile video game, and I was like, I've never seen this game before in my life. And you got to choose which Batmobile, and it was so exciting. I was driving a Batmobile, and um, the only chance I get to play it is if I go to Chessington World of Adventures. In terms of representation, again, I'm, I'm thinking about like 30 years ago now, but it feels quite accurate. The only thing I think is missing is uh, I do remember a strong smoky smoke atmosphere, a lot of ash everywhere. Yeah, of, sticky kind of floors. Sticky floors.
0: I think there's, I don't know whether maybe there's something slightly different about arcades in America, perhaps. I think of, as you say, the sort of seaside arcades. Mm. I sort of think about places like the Trocadero, how that used to be, where it was sort of dark, lots of noise, lots of light and lights flashing and, and that kind of thing. The design of the arcade in this film very much feels more like a game show set. Mm -hmm. Like a kind of Wheel of Fortune, Price is Right sort of thing. It's all very bright, it's bright colours, lots of lights and shiny stuff, rather than being very dark and dingy. Although, according to the director, it was filmed completely on a soundstage because they tried to maybe film it in a real arcade, but they were doing too much business for them to even allow them to... You know, actually shoot there, and in a sense, it does create this artificial game show world that this you know arcade represents to the people.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's aiming for realism at all. No, and one thing the film has is that the arcade uses tokens and not quarters, and I can't re- I can't remember if that's something arcades did or if it's meant to say this is like a um altruistic sort of arcade. It's a it's a place to hang out
0: as opposed to a place to make money off the machines. Part of the message of the film is, you know, this is a community, this is a place for people to go, and like-minded people who have nowhere else to go can spend their time there. I'm not sure whether it's entirely altruistic. I think it's just they operate a token exchange Mm. where people pay to get tokens, and you can do that at arcades that exist now as well. Have Have
1: you been to, like, the fun fair recently where you go thinking, I'll just go on a ride... And then you end up spending, like, £10 on, like, a book of tokens. And then you can... You always find out you're, you're one token short of what you actually want to go on.
0: Yeah, it's like, get this book and you get ten tokens. And this ride is five tokens. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they have to run a business, don't they? Yeah. if, if They're labelling the arcade as a sort of... Den of juvenile delinquency, and I think actually, if you looked at a real arcade, it'd probably be more seedier than the one that exists in in joysticks I think you would say I've always
1: said senior because now the only people I see in arcades now are pensioners with the two pence machines, <laughs> <laughs> when they like put a put two p in, and
0: uh, and they eventually get six p back. Why else would there be a hit ITV game show Tipping Point, which? takes the whole concept of the dropping the token in arcade machine and seeing how many mm. coins you release god i forgot about that is that still going oh yeah wow that's entertainment <laughs> i only know it's still going because if i check twitter at lunchtime the twi- tipping point will be trending
1: <laughs> <laughs> do we want to talk about uh, the synopsis do we want to have a look at the old video box and then discuss the the rest of the film is that how our podcast usually happens so we've managed to source a classic VHS video box um, on the internet. So how how what, how does the VHS box describe 1983's joysticks?
0: Well, the cover image, the poster image, is pretty representative, I think, in encapsulating what joysticks is. It has one of the characters peering through a hole in an arcade cabinet at two... Uh, sexy babes his, his face is where the
1: coin slot would be yeah his uh sweaty joyous face is has got an eye line um right at the one of the ladies uh foofs and um yeah that it says it all basically he's
0: um pretty excited <laughs> yeah so the tagline is more fun than games yeah debatable yeah there's something going on at the local video arcade. Something totally insane, outrageously hilarious, very setsy, and thoroughly entertaining. The hit film Joysticks. This antic romp begins when the video arcade's newest employee, Eugene, Leaf Green of Greece 2, arrives pantless for his first day on the job. That's trousers to the UK audience. Okay. Teenage heartthrob Jeff... Scott McGuinness of Wacko, who runs the arcade, and Dorfus, Jim Greenleaf of Liar's Moon, the slovenly video game addict, decide to take revenge on the vivacious Alva and Lola for tricking Eugene out of his pants with a wild game of strip video. But, before they can act, King Vidiot and his sexy troop of high-tech video addicts invade the arcade, and Pandemonium breaks loose. In the midst of the chaos, Joseph Rutter, Joe Don Baker of Wacko, an influential businessman, comes into the arcade looking for his daughter. When he witnesses the madness around him, he vows to see the den of juvenile delinquency shut down for good. Will the city council decide to close the arcade and spoil the kids' fun? Or will Jeff, Eugene and Dorfus manage to turn Rutter's anger with a little help from lovely Alva and Lola? It all comes together in a climactic and hilarious video game competition, with a winner-takes-all bet on the future of the video arcade. A riotous farce of good-natured video mania. Joysticks. If everyone would, like, to bag the noise, okay, like we could do this? Everyone's doing it, but it's not vulgar. <laughs> Kids play with their joysticks day in and day out, jerking okay. back and forth. Everyone's doing it, but it's not violent. <laughs> like, where are we supposed to go? And everyone's doing it. Good oh, you wanna play Pac-Man? Eugene and me?
1: Oh, it's been so long. Joysticks. <laughs> you and I have something in
0: common. We
1: both like to hang out in
0: public bathrooms. No.
1: Prepare yourself. I would
0: like you to meet Simba. A film for people who are totally into fun. Strip video. You got it. Games. Oh, damn it!
1: And good times. You're running a garbage dump in here, and I intend to do something about it. You will
0: not go to the arcade again, right?
1: If I want to go to the arcade, like, I am going to
0: go. Just for the fun of it. If you win, I'll close the arcade down. It's more fun than games.
1: Joysticks. I can't go on like this! Totally awesome video games! Um, I feel like the video box, um, the person who wrote that did a quite a good job as as trying to line the plots ducks in a row because there are certain things in this film where I just did not understand why why things are happening. Like he's a success, Joe jo, jo Don Baker, who plays Joseph Rutter. He plays a successful businessman, but I didn't know what his business was. He was just your typical 80s man in a suit. And I didn't really know what his beef was with the arcade other than his daughter was there. But um, I think he hated it before he saw the quote-unquote debauchery. Did he just sort of hate it because that's where the kids hang out? He's, yeah. he's rather representative of me. I, I, was, I was worried about these <laughs> the, kids
0: hanging out on their Twitter. <laughs> I would say that really it's just creating generic stock characters mm. and beats and fitting it around video games, sets and comedy. I don't think there's really been any attempt to try and weave these things together in an in a in interesting way. It's very much, how do we make this happen how do we make this happen? So we have the stock cool guy, we have the stock slob, we have the stock nerd. Oh, if this is an absolute cookie cutter. Oh, 80s, sure.
1: there's always the businessman
0: who wants to shut down something. Yeah, and that's exactly what his role is, and that's how you make the central conflict happen.
1: The 80s were a kind of a funny time where... It was absolutely the age of big business. And Hollywood Studios are big business. But we still want to make the, the baddies big business men. So, yeah. uh,
0: Well, we'll wait for the evil Hollywood executive who wants to... Um... Take down our podcast. <laughs> yeah, and then exactly. we have to put the word out on Twitter. No, save our podcast. We have to put on a big party that everyone attends. With so... 100 guests yeah. on
1: one podcast. So, um... Although the video box was quite spoilerific, we'll say spoilers for Joysticks. Who who directed this um this celebration of 80s
0: arcadia? So this was brought to the big screen by Graydon Clark, writer, producer, and director. He's a former B-movie actor. I think he appeared in a film called The Mighty Gorger about a killer ape. But he's he's a very much a genre hopper. He did some Blaxploitation films, perhaps best known for a film called Without Warning, which was in certain respects the inspiration for Predator. All right. um, it's about an alien also played by Kevin Peter Hall, who portrays the Predator in the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, and this film stars Jack Palance and Martin Landau, and it's about an alien which, uh, I think, hunts... ...humans and takes them as trophies and
1: such. That is the plot of Predator.
0: Yeah, I I think it's a very different kind of movie, but... Does Martin Landau play a muscular Austrian? No, I think he (laughs) plays like a Vietnam vet, so close enough. (laughs) I think his work first came to my attention. There's a film called Uninvited, which I have not seen... ...but it's also on Amazon Prime, as it seems to be all his work is... ...at least in the UK Mm. at the moment... But it's about a poisonous cat that stows aboard a luxury yacht. Poisonous cat. Yes, it's a poisonous cat, and it opens its mouth, and a little demon cat jumps out and bites people. Oh my god! So wait a minute—is the demon cat poisonous, and the cat's normal,
1: or is the norm- is the uh, is it two bad things? <laughs> I don't three. If you don't like
0: cats, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're allergic to cats, yeah, it's <laughs> double trouble. I'm not entirely sure. I have not seen the film. It looks like very audacious filmmaking.
1: <laughs> I kind of want to watch both those films now because um, uh, I'll get to what I feel about this this film we're talking about um, later, I suppose. But I, I note that he's written a book called On the Cheap, My Life in Low Budget Filmmaking. And I think that would be an interesting read. So, you know, guerrilla on the cusp filmmaking. I, I know the very first scene of Joystick's um, takes place on the road at a stop sign and that was filmed without a permit and it was all done within an hour. There's one, ed- there's a quick edit. The car, um, the sexy girl's in, speeds away and then I saw another van race past it on the T-junction and then it cuts and I thought, ooh, was there like very closely, an, was there like a an accident almost there? <laughs> I was looking for scars for the rest of the film. But yeah, I feel like these, these people, some of these people become, who work in B-movies, they end up becoming James Cameron um, and some of these people just can make
0: B-movies like all their lives
1: and I feel like they might have quite in- interesting lives and stories and...
0: The idea of this film came about, he was... I think attending an audience preview of his one of his other films, Wacko, which I think is like a kind of uh, slasher movie farce. But uh, he saw all these sort of teenage boys waiting in line in the lobby for these arcade machines, and he thought, "Oh, this could make me money if I make a film about video games, plus teenagers, plus sets, and comedy."
1: <laughs> you, didn't make, you didn't want to make a film about cues, then.
0: No cues. So the, I saw this interview with him talking about the movie and he said about the uh, conflict between parents and teenagers was this natural, universal thing and he wanted to uh, incorporate that into the film plus add video games and sets. <laughs> um, and he hadn't really played video games before but he once he got this idea he started playing arcade games as research and the original title of the film was Video Madness. He wanted to call it Joystick but then the distributor objected because it was too close to the innuendo mm. of it. So they compromised and added the S.
1: And your emphasis really did sell the innuendo there. Joy stick.
0: Yeah. So I think what he brought to this film was less knowledge about the ins and outs of video game and arcade outs. culture. But he clearly brought something of his style to it. He also seemed to bring Joe Don Baker to this movie, who was in uh, Wacko, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he was also in another film he did called Final Justice.
1: Yeah, I um, so I, I recognise Joe Don Baker because, as I've often said, I am a fan of Bond movies and he plays... He's kind of he's got the distinct honor of playing two separate characters in the James Bond canon. He plays the villain in *The Living Daylights*, but then he returned to play a CIA agent, um, Jack Wade, in *GoldenEye* and *Tomorrow Never Dies*.
0: Can you name any other Bond actors who have played two different characters in the Bond series? Harry we uh, go. Yeah,
1: for what's her, what's her name? Um, Maud Adams Talk. Talk. plays Octopussy and. I can't remember her name in *The Man of the Golden Gun*, but she plays one of the Bond girls in *Man of the Golden Gun*. And trying—I mean, Roger Moore plays James Bond across several movies, <laughs> two different characters. Two different characters. Okay. Um, For two I, different Bonds. Two different Bonds. I—I hold my hands up. I can't remember. Charles Gray. Oh, of course, Charles Gray, who played Blofeld, and some dude in Japan. Some British dude in Japan. <laughs> But yeah, that, I think that's a testament to how back in the day people didn't generally watch films over and over and over again. You kind of saw them in the cinema and then you were gone. But Joe Don Baker, so I did, he was the one guy I, well, here's the thing, he's the one guy I definitely recognise. But as we look through this cast, there's a lot of people I, f- I feel are familiar. And then I did some research I found out where I knew him from. So, Joe Don Baker. I was reading some letterboxed reviews of Joysticks and somebody says, um, Let us consider the career of Joe Dunn-Baker for a moment. Initially, he rose as a southern version of a charming tough guy in films such as Walking Tall and Charlie Varick. He always seemed to have a sense of humour about himself, though, which which carried him through and made him noticeable. As his career progressed, he became more of a caricature than an actual actor, and the quality of the films declined until he reached this nadir working for Graydon Clark. He was in paycheck mode, I think, for this film. He was just like a shouty, angry businessman.
0: I don't know. I I, I find his portrayal of that appealing. He he definitely it's it's a very generic role, but I think he does a fine job of that?
1: he's like top billing which is odd for the um antagonist to be top billing
0: i mean it's a joe don baker movie of course he's got to be above the title everyone knows mm. he's a box office drawer jdb is uh, mm. how i wrote
1: him in my notes because i was not gonna write joe don baker a hundred times <laughs> did you find it weird how um the main character well i wouldn't say main character but the first character introduced to he's called uh, eugene um but he's played by a chap called leaf green and then the slovenly character, Jonathan Andrew McDorfis, he's played by an actor called Jim Greenleaf. So we've got a Leaf Green and a Jim Greenleaf in this film. My God. How crazy is that? So both uh, the actors who played uh, Eugene and Mcdorphis they've not been in much else. So Leaf Green, he played one of the T Birds in Grease 2 which I've not seen. I hear it's got a bit of a cult following, though, but it's just not the first (laughs) Grease. I sadly couldn't find much about the actor who played McDorphus, or Dorphus, as he's commonly known in the film. What a performance uh, for Dorphus. He's kind of really, really, really disgusting. (laughs) Not not nice well i mean e- eugene is, is he's quite an interesting character we'll talk more about him but i'm talking about dorfus now he enters a room with a symphony of flatulence i do find a fart funny but you need more than just farts
0: <laughs> yeah it's his defining characteristic is his ability to create horrible farts
1: There was one scene where he's tied up by um, some
0: goons.
1: And I did laugh out loud with one fart. He's left in the room and he farts, which wakes up a lady upstairs who comes down to rescue him.
0: It's like his sort of um, signal for help.
1: I think the first time we introduced this um, this power, he he absolutely farts across an arcade and hits somebody (laughs) with it, which is as impressive as it is disgusting.
0: It's very targeted. It's like throwing your voice. Yeah,
1: but he's also... Just grubby. He's sweaty. Um, he's the former senior class president. Uh, and um, and Eugene says, really? Because he was in my year and he didn't look like that. And, you, and D- Dorfus goes, it's the game, man. And it's like, oh, is this film celebrating games or, or is that a warning?
0: Yeah, video games happened and now he's a slob. He just is gross. There's a bit where
1: he's... They're at the hot dog stand in the arcade and he sneezes into a hot dog and um, that hot dog flies into a lady's cleavage. And, and did you notice how the hot dog was guided there by a string, like an arrow?
0: Well, there's a, there's an anecdote about the hot dog cleavage. I, I'm glad you,
1: glad you have something there. Cause I was just interested how, why wasn't the lady getting the hot dog out? The hot dog goes between her, um inner cleavage and she just doesn't do anything. <laughs> So please continue. Let me, let me know some of this joystick lore.
0: So yeah, to describe the scene, yeah, the hot dog lands in the cleavage. Eugene tries to fish it out with a pair of tongs and sort of tears off the top instead. And everyone finds this all just very amusing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the director says, in the snack bar, we had hot dogs available. Once the set was completed, I realized there was a natural gag with a wiener somehow ending in the ample cleavage of one of my actresses. It seemed natural that the Eugene character would somehow be involved. I worked it out on the set, and luckily all the actors and crew seemed to think it was funny. I knew we were onto something. It took a couple takes to get the wiener to land in just the right place, but I think it was worth it. Several times in this
1: film, I had to rewind to make sure I saw the string and the guy with the hot dog. But anyone like watching me through the window would just see me rewinding <laughs> and booby shots constantly. <laughs> uh, Let's see that again. Let's yes, see that ten again. Ten seconds rewind. Thank you, Amazon Prime. It's funny though. Later on in the film, one of the methods Joe Don Baker wants to use. I mean, FYI, I'm going to be switching intermittently between Joe Don Baker and his character, Mr. Rutter. But at one point. Um, Joe Don Baker reveals a dead rat and he implies that he's going to tell people that he found this in the food stand. And the guy's like, oh, is there nothing at no level you won't stoop to? And then I remembered, oh, there was that bit where you're sneezing all over the hot dogs and you had this gross monster working behind the food counter. Mm, Well, one of the reasons why this is like an 80s movie is that we are meant to, unquestioningly, think our team characters are are good guys. They're the best. They're the best. And um there's a there's a <laughs> there's a bit where like the the owner of the arcade or the co-owner of the arcade he's called Jeff. He says all we've got to do is not break any laws or all we have got to do is not make this place seem like a, a debauched place. When earlier on the film they are definitely breaking health and safety laws and they are definitely causing ladies to run screaming into the arcade with their tops off and i think yeah i mean just i know we've already said spoilers but later on in the film um there's a trial to try and get the place closed down and they win the trial the goodies win the trial by revealing that joe don baker was in the arcade surrounded by sexy ladies at one point and so they win the trial but the whole point of the trial was to pr- was to prove that this wasn't the place where sexy ladies hung out, and it wasn't a place of debauchery.
0: So we kind of like, no, it's the the, the trial is they can't find any reason for it to be shut down because it's not breaking any laws. Hmm. They can have sexy fun party times. It's
1: not breaking any laws I suppose. as long as it's
0: not breaking any laws.
1: But um those girls, they're called um, Lola and Alva. Though they are the ladies we talked about earlier who seem to really revel in, in getting their tops off. In that particular photo, they look quite distressed.
0: <laughs> well, they're distressed because they've just been playing strip video. Mm. And then they're making out with Jeff in his sets dungeon. And Slash office. Yeah. But then Eugene and Dorfus activate a fire extinguisher through a vent mm. in the room, which then he, Jeff says, fire, fire, evacuate. The girls run out topless into the arcade, but it was all a prank. It was mm. all staged so that they could then take a photo of the girls topless yeah. screaming. And
1: and Joe Don Baker happened to be there. He they ran into his arms.
0: Yeah, I don't think it was staged so that Rutter would be there. They should then use that image no. to blackmail him later. Happy it was just coincidence. Happy coincidence that. The photo I was going to take of these topless screaming women <laughs> could also be used to incriminate the bad guy. Who
1: for a split second, they were locked behind a door and thought they're about to be burnt alive. Yeah. And also they mysteriously don't... I mean, have you ever smelt a fire extinguisher? It does not smell like burning smoke. It smells like extinguisher. These, these girls, um, I did some research on them as well. Well, one's Kim Malin, who plays Lola. She's the blonde. She Kim was the Playmate of the Month in May 1982, issue of Playboy. And she was also won the title of the most perfect body in Texas in the local, local beauty pageant. Also, I noticed in her credits, she plays hostage in Die Hard. Do you know what hostage she plays? Do you want to have a guess?
0: Is it the one that's having sets in the office? Yes.
1: Okay. <laughs> I was like, I bet she's her. Yes, <laughs> she is. <laughs> well, good for her. Um, her um, co-star, Kim G. Michael, it says here, Kim G. Michael is an actress known for joysticks. <laughs> so uh, not done much else. It shows you how winning winning um, the hottest body in all of Texas, it could take you places.
0: I think they were perfectly good performers. Yeah. I I thought, actually, I know what you're saying about Dorfus and Eugene and things being stock characters. I think, actually, the performances sell the roles. Mm. I believe Dorfus is a horrible, disgusting slob.
1: I just don't think you'd hang out with him. I think it broke the reality of the film for me. But
0: I I think he's just, he's a very good customer, because he's always there. I thought
1: he was an employee.
0: No, I don't think
1: so. I did get confused, because when we were first introduced to him, he's playing... Is it Pac-Man he's playing? I think so, yeah. And he loses. I and mean, then he goes around the back of the arcade and starts playing with it. And I thought he was kind of, like, hacking it. You know how in King of uh, Kong, the documentary, a lot of it revolves around...
0: Tampering with tampering
1: the machines.
0: Of the machines. Um, well, maybe he's you know, hired as a sort of live-in technician Mm. as well, as long as he can play games for free. And, yeah, he encounters Eugene because Eugene is the sort of nerd character. You can tell because he wears a bow tie, has glasses, Mm. and is wearing a sweater vest. And we also know his motivation and his role in the film because... We are introduced with him driving, and he's singing to the tune of Camton Raisers. Today's my first day at a new job. Do-da, do-da. <laughs> it's just like, oh, okay, so he's a new employee at this new job. And he explains to the, um, what was it, Lola and... Uh, Alva. So and he explains to Lola and Alva that he's off to his new job at the video arcade. And but he, he encounters Dorfus, and he's like a clean freak, and he's like squirting the arcade machines and then encounters his nemesis, mm. who then they become friendly with. Excuse me! Excuse me, young man! Would... You've got to stop playing the games! You're a disgrace! Excuse me! Sir, would you stop playing the games? Young man, you must listen to me. Hey! Hey! I'm sorry, but you're not allowed to have fun on the games! No one's ever gotten seven figures on this machine before. Not even me. I know this machine's capable of seven figures. In terms of the other characters at the arcade, there's this weird monk yeah. who starts ranting and raving about, like, is it Father I've Sinned or something? Yeah. Um, and then, I, I, I guess because he's playing... And then there's just another guy who's, like, slapping his face.
1: Yeah, this is this is one of the... I've written multiple times in my notes what is going on. Yeah. So, yes, there's a like, Oh, I'm a fryer. I'm a father. I've sinned. Father I've sinned. And then I've a mentally ill mad dog. But that's the only time it happens. For the rest of the film, everyone just seems like normal teenagers.
0: Yeah. But these two weirdos are, like, very scary. There's this one character who we only see once in the arcade who threatens the minions of Joe Don Baker's oh, character. like the Mexican? Yeah, dudes? who sort of threatens to slit their throats mm. if they touch his arcade machine.
1: There's a lot of flick knives in this film. Yeah. I think Dorfus, he... He has in, a flick knife. He yeah. introduced... It looks like he's going to flick knife Eugene, but I think that's what he uses to hack the game.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of just oddball... I mean, also like the hot dog cleavage scene. Mm. And then at one point... Eugene is sent to investigate a rocking van in the car park. No, he
1: comes to oh, Jeff, okay. the boss, and Dorfus says, "There's a car. There's a van in the car park rocking. What should I do? What could it be?" And Jeff tells him to investigate.
0: Yeah, and then he he looks peers in through the sunroof, and it's a couple who've just had sets in a jacuzzi. I did not expect a jacuzzi to in be the, in the van. van. That was a surprise. And then Eugene falls in and. The couple seem pretty okay with it. Well, did you hear what um, they said when Eugene discovers them?
1: Uh, They go, ah, that was great. (laughs) Yeah, let's do it again. This time, let's put on our snorkels. Uh, It's like, what? Firstly, who goes, yeah, that was great, right after sex? (laughs) And then yeah, Eugene seems to fall in. And I think I was wondering, I mean, I'm not making light of this, but does Eugene have dyspraxia? Because he is constantly, constantly falling over. He's constantly pratfalling. And actually the first time I think he does this, he he plat he pratfalls off camera. We're with Jeff and and Alva and Lola. And then we hear a crash. And then they all look to they all look off camera and then the camera pans over and he's sort of getting up. And they're like, Why why would you have an off-camera Pratfall? I think he was trying to put on his trousers which were stolen in the first scene. Yeah. And I have questions about that first scene. You are we are introduced to Eugene as as this nerd character. Then Alva and Lola rock up and almost immediately show their boobs off and say, We wanna have a good time. And he goes, Yeah, okay. And it's weird, because he's meant to be this pent-up, like, vanilla-type guy. But nerds don't have sex and convertibles in the middle of Broad Daylight Street. That's pretty, like... That's, like, no inhibitions there.
0: Yeah. Let's just talk a little bit about Jeff. Mm. He is the quote-unquote cool guy character, but also the least interesting boring person Mm. in the movie.
1: Apart from that last, that final act reveal as to why he doesn't play his games. Yeah,
0: so his whole thing is, I don't play video games, but yet I manage this arcade, my grandfather's out of town, he's the owner, but I manage the arcade, but I myself, I don't play video games. And he's constantly got girls hanging off of him. There's not a sequence in the film, I think, or a scene where he doesn't have a girl on his arm or on his shoulder. On his cock. Yeah, even. (laughs) Um, So I thought that the reason why he doesn't play video games is because he's the cool guy, and it's Mm. just for the nerds and the dweebs and whatever, but I'm better than that because I'm, like, super cool stud. But then he later reveals to Eugene the reason why he never plays is because video games make him physically ill, and he gets dizzy when he looks at the screen. And it's not because he has sort of motion sickness. Mm. It's because...
1: Probably shouldn't work in an arcade. Yeah. But go on.
0: It's because he used to be really good at video games. And him and his friend Dorfus were as good as each other. They'd sometimes beat each other at video games. But then he was with his girlfriend uh, called Sandy. And uh, six months ago, he had convinced his grandfather to open the arcade. And at the grand opening, he takes Sandy back to his set's dungeon which is arcade machines covered with candles. I know, it's like something out of, like, a horror movie. <laughs> it's like candle-lit Pac-Man machines mm. that surround them. And it was his first time, it was their first time, it was a beautiful, magical moment. But then Sandy's father appears out of nowhere and Jeff catches the reflection of Sandy's father in one of the Pac-Man screens. <laughs> <laughs> and then the father takes... His daughter and slaps her around, mm. and they leave town. And six months have passed, and he hasn't seen her since. And there's quite a lot to unpack in that scene uh, yeah. because
1: her dad, her dad picks her, his daughter up, fully nudes. Yeah, um, the the frame of the the camera frame just about misses uh, um, downstairs. And like the father does nothing to hide a nudity. He's more into concern of slapping her around. Yeah. And I, will, I have to admit, when Jeff said he was going to play video games, I didn't expect this sort of elaborate story. To, no, <laughs> to have to, he sees his da- the, his um his girlfriend's dad's face in the video screen. It's, yeah, and then later on in the film, when he's playing for f- for the ability to run the arcade, there's like a, a versus game. He's sweating, and he's seeing flashes of the dad's face. It's pretty sort of intercut un- with him having sets with mm. the daughter. It's like, it's almost borderline artistic.
0: It's Yeah, it's not the excuse I expected. It's not, it definitely surprised me that this was the reason. It didn't then surprise me that it was an excuse to have another set of breasts in the, mm. in the film. But
1: I mean, I wrote halfway through my notes, why doesn't Jeff play... His gains. And I thought it was not really going to have any reason. I thought he was just going to be, as you say, too cool for school. I thought that he didn't want to get high on his own supply or anything like that. But no, there's some deep trauma, yeah. um, which he, he just about gets over in a 15-minute
0: training montage. But what I also couldn't understand is that so he lost his virginity six months prior to the events of this film. Mm-hmm. So why is he giving like Eugene and everyone else like a hard time about getting laid and just like, oh look at this nerd, he's so sexually repressed. I had sex
1: six months ago. <laughs> yeah, well, to be fair, I mean boys being boys, they take the Mickey out of people, even if they are virgins themselves. Yeah, so Um When we decided to do this film, you showed me the trailer, and I forgot about it. And then I watched the trailer again, and for some reason I was under the impression that Jeff being looking like the jock, I thought he was going to be your traditional 80s jock, where he'd come to the arcades and say, yeah, you dweebs and stuff, but he's really kind of supportive. Yes, he he'd does pranks, just like literally everyone in this film, but he's kind of supportive and kind of nice, and... Um, he, I recognised him. He's a he. I saw him from that thing. He's in Star Trek Three. Okay, The search for Spock, and he plays a transporter room operator who's moaning about being a transporter operator, and he's speaking to Ahura, saying, "Oh, I wish I had adventure." And then he's promptly um, stuffed into a closet by Ahura <laughs> because she's letting Admiral Kirk and Co. escape, and therefore he is known in the Star Trek community as Mister Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he's, he's not been in much else. I, I feel like I've seen him in more things, but really, no. I just He just was deep, deep in my subconscious as Mr. Adventure. So Jeff's
0: arcade is just called Video Arcade.
1: Which, again, he, he co-owns co- owns with Grandpa George. And you mentioned earlier how Grandpa George is all out of town. And I'm glad you said that, because when he eventually reappears, he's wheeled in by a nurse... And I was thinking, how long is he out of town
0: for? You don't say he's out of town when he's in a hospital. Well, he seems to say that he was out of town also looking for Sandy. Because Sandy appears and he says, I found her. He's very frail, though. Well, he's got a
1: hot nurse to... I want to see this film where a very old, frail man and a hot nurse scour the country
0: looking for Sandy looking for his grandson's Mm. girlfriend.
1: It could be called Grand Sandy. (laughs) But she must be
0: local because... Well, he says that they moved out of town. It Mm. doesn't matter because the grandfather is just happy that they're reunited. Mm. He's happy that he's got a hot nurse that he can feel her leg up.
1: Yeah, and he's happy to deliver the line when speaking about Eugene... Somebody ought to get this boy laid, <laughs> and that thing, it's that thing—it's a common thing in eighties movies where they get like a pensioner uh, to say an f bomb or something really rude, and you're, you you uh, remember, oh yeah, old people had uh, sexy lives too. Yeah, I mean, bad grandpa. Think about your grandparents right now—they had sex. So, so this arcade then has many classic eighties machines. And I guess it comes from this era where video games were were blossoming and perhaps didn't have the respectability they do now. I mean, some would argue that they still play second fiddle to movies in in a lot of culture's eyes. But uh, so apparently Namco had no issue um, licensing
0: Pac-Man to be in this sex comedy. Just like House of the Dead where randomly scenes or... Cuts within scenes are interspersed with footage from the House of the Dead video games. Uh, This film has a screen wipe dissolve of a giant Pac Man whacker whackering (laughs) across the screen. And at one point during a private pyjama party at the arcade, a girl lifts her Nighty and she's wearing. She says, want to play Pac-Man? And she's wearing like a Pac-Man logoed pair of pants. Which I'm sure you can get in like Primark now. (laughs) And the intro to the film uh, is just a girl playing video games at the arcade with lots of footage of different titles that feature along with the aforementioned cracking theme tune, which I assume is just called Joist It's but has the frame, totally awesome video, video games. games, which has been in my head constantly. <laughs> and the lyrics are all like, jerk left, tilted right. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, all this is done, there's always there's a lot
1: of shots where the camera is pointing directly at the person's face. And when it seems like whenever anyone starts playing... Be they a hot, sexy lady or the mayor of River City, I think this is called, they get this sort of euphoric, orgasmic look. And yeah, it's absolutely looks like they're jerking you off, which is um, a one-off. Well, one-off. Yes. One one flick flick of the wrist. Keen eyes, quick hands, energise my soul again. Gonna see my name
0: in lights
1: Play Play with my my joystick joystick. it left, jerk it right
0: Sopping everything
1: inside Shoot fast, shoot straight Video
0: to the max
1: It's one of these films where it's it's not quite a cult movie. I think it's more that people have seen it and remember it, and so and therefore there's not lots of content out there to find.
0: I think this film would have been very much forgotten were it not for the fact that it had video games in mm. it. The way I first encountered it was through a supercut montage of video games in movies. Mm. And I saw some of the clips in this film and that's where it came to my attention first. But I don't think I would have ever encountered it unless I went a deep dive in the Joe Don Baker filmography. And and something and had a Joe Don Baker retrospective. But in terms of the film and the use of these games uh, in this interview... It sounds like the companies were very happy for their games to be included in the film. He uh, had a phone call with Midway Games and went to meet some of the executives there and he requested the rights to the use of Pac-Man...
1: Program and Control Man, as we learned to Program and Control Man. To snatch.
0: Yeah, uh, to film several of their games. And he says, I decided to take a positive approach and told them I did not expect them to pay me to put their games in my film. I emphasised that they would be getting a lot of free promotion. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's ballsy. And dangled the possibility of not only using Pac-Man, but several of their other games... They were about to release a game called Satan's Hollow, and asked if I could include that in my film. That's rude, Satan's Hollow. They were asking me if I could do them a favour by using their games and joysticks. I got the games for no charge. Which is a very different... Mm. Like, at the time, they were probably, yeah, a movie about video games? Sure, put Pac-Man, here, have all these games, pole position.
1: We've got Defender, we've got Pac-Man and Ms. Pac-Man... Um, There's a game called uh, Space Dungeon and Gorf, which I thought were made up, but apparently they're real. And um, what's the final game they play? Is it Super? Super Pac-Man. Now, here's a question. When they played that Pac-Man game, Pac-Man seemed to be going right through ghosts at some point, i.e. not eating them or not being killed by them. Do you think that's part of the Super Pac-Man game? Or do you think that was... they? they what they usually do is they record video game footage but as, as they're not actually controlling it.
0: The objective in Super Pac-Man is slightly different in that you don't collect power pellets. You uh, collect keys and those keys then mm. unlock certain sections of the maze. I'm not sure about the interaction with the ghosts and how they interact with the super pac-man when you're in maybe when you're in giant mode super mode i think it's okay yeah,
1: sometimes there's a very big pac-man and you know back in the back in these times um graphics would increase in increments and there's a slightly more detail i noticed in super pac-man than the original pac-man
0: yeah lots of very in-depth texture on the, <laughs> yes, on the, the super the Pac-Man, pac-man character you can see his stubble um
1: well, <laughs> oh just imagine a photorealistic pac-man that would be really good terrifying ghosts um, oh, yes. Like a grimdark Pac-Man I didn't notice though When they're playing this Super Pac-Man game And they do this on ginormous joysticks Which they hold between the legs In an incredibly suggestive way I
0: liked the design
1: actually They yeah. look like kind of bowling balls or chopper chops. Mm, they have little lights inside which, which illuminate But there's also loads of buttons Which... In my research, I've, I've discovered you don't use any buttons for Pac-Man, so they're just twatting away at the buttons. At one point, the disgusting Dorfus absolutely, like, he licks one of the buttons. It's, it's so gross. And no, I hope Eugene got the spray bottle and did <laughs> a good clean. There's a lot of disgusting stuff happening in this arcade. No kids, fortunately. Can you imagine if there was, like, 10-year-olds walking
0: around this place? Yeah, there's actually no children in this film, and it's probably for the best. Mm. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Categorically, yes. Although it's kind of gross,
1: it's still a place for the kids to hang out. But for some some reason, Joe Don Baker doesn't want his daughter Patsy in there. When Patsy's introduced, I could not understand a word she was saying. And it was only in that, her second or third scene that I realised she was speaking English. But it's a very high... You know how it was like in Game of Thrones, there's Valerian and High Valerian. She was like doing High Valley Girl. Yeah. She was like, oh my god. And it's like, what? <laughs> it was crazy. And yeah, I think the first scene when they're together kind of on their own is, is when she's sunbathing by the pool and her dad walks up and she takes money from her dad's wallet. Her dad is going to give her some money, then she does the whole cartoon thing where she takes the money in Joe Don Baker's hand and then takes the rest of the money from her wallet. In a cartoon, that's a bit of fun. In real life, he would be like, give me back that, that money you just <laughs> stolen. Though, again, he's a successful businessman, so maybe he, he
0: doesn't need the money. He's clearly very protective of his daughter as well, so it's like, whatever she wants, mm. my uh, Patsy's going to get. He's a
1: bit of a psychopath, though, because at one point he discovers her in the arcade.
0: He's always saying, don't go to the arcade, and she does.
1: And then he kind of... Joe Don baker wraps his arm around Patsy's neck, and you hear a crack, and they added a crack on. It's like, <laughs> yeah. have you just Mortal kombat your daughter... And then he like roughly shoves her into the car again. I don't know. He's a complete, he's a complete jerk. I start the film worrying that I was going to be on his side, but then he does a few things throughout the film. Where I'm like, no, you get what you deserve. Mm. If Patsy didn't keep going to the arcade, I think maybe Mr. Rutter, aka Jodan Baker,
0: would have no issue of the arcade. But then it sort of becomes his mission to get it yes. closed down. Mr. Rutter has his own pair of minions. This being this kind of movie, he has his uh nephews aka patsy's cousins and they decide to uh infiltrate the arcade in disguise one of them is dressed up as a hippie and just goes around going groovy man peace and they have a car with like flower power written on it but incorrectly because they're idiots and the other one dresses up in drag Mm. For the only reason being to end up with gags and make it even more difficult for themselves because uh, they keep on getting the attention of of potential, you know, yeah, late sort late- of boyfriends and stuff. Yeah, so their plan is in order to shut down the arcade and win the affection of their uncle is to go back at night and steal all the arcade machines and Eugene overhears this, and so Jeff sets a well, we think it's gonna be a trap, but his plan to thwart this stealing is to let the cousins Load the load truck Load the truck with all the arcade machines. With all machines. the arcade machines, completely clear out the arcade. While they're doing so, they drain the truck of petrol. Yeah. Then they try and start the truck and... As in uh, the, the goons try yeah, and start the, tribe, the truck? the goons try and start the truck and can't do so. So they go off to get some more petrol in a can. Meanwhile, Jeff unloads all the arcade machines back into the arcade. Not on his own, with all his friends. With all his friends. And the goons get away thinking they've stolen all the arcade machines. Wouldn't it have been easier to just... I don't know. Lock the arcade. It's a very labour-intensive plan, isn't it? Scare them all off because there's no sort of payoff for them. It's in fact just harder work because they have to reinstall all the arcade machines. Can I stop you there? How how would Jeff scare them off? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Like he's he's clearly adept at pranks because he's created like, enlisted fire extinguisher action to make people think the buildings on fire or I don't know I like how you think setting off a fire extinguisher is a very well thought out prank I'm just saying he's he's I'm not saying it's very well thought out I'm yeah. just saying that he clearly is a man who likes doing pranks mm. but his great big scheme is to just create huge amount of work for himself and his friends yeah so
1: and also, when Eugene discovers this plan to steal all the arcade machines, Eugene says, let's call the police. And Jeff is like, no, why not?
0: <laughs> because he doesn't want the police involved, because clearly he is breaking laws while yeah. he's there. Um, so, yeah, I, I can imagine being... Well, he doesn't want his grandfather, like, he doesn't want to worry his grandfather or yeah, something. He doesn't then want...
1: then yeah. they end up going to trial. And that is when I was thinking, how... How long is he going to not tell his grandfather <laughs> he's in the in court? But, um, yeah, I can imagine being one of Jeff's friends, whether partway through this plan, which is um, let the arcade machines be loaded up to a van and then unload the arcade machines. I can imagine being one of the friends thinking, like, I shouldn't have said yes to this. Yeah. This is a lot of work. It's... Jeff, you're a
0: dick. Yeah. But and meanwhile... Yeah, so, I mean, this whole episode in the film is maybe the most interminable of the movie because it just drags on and on and it keeps cutting back and forth to this other plot happening, which I'm not sure why, but like once Eugene gets word that tonight they're going to break in and steal the arcade machines, like him and Dorfus are sent on a mission to go to Mr. Rutter's house at night mm-hmm. and break in. Yeah, there is literally no reason for this bit.
1: Um And actually, during the section... I thought that the cousins were stealing all the arcade machines under the under the command of Joe Don Baker, but they're not. When they eventually arrive with a, a truck, which turns out to be empty, they're telling Joe Don Baker, "Oh, we stole the arcade machine, all the arcade machines for you." And he's like, "What? Why?" Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, for this whole scene, you're thinking they, and again, because you've seen these films before, you are. Ex- Expecting our heroes to be doing a distraction, so that Joe Dun Baker is not got his eye on what's happening in the arcade. But no, Joe Don Baker arrives home, and due to a sequence of events, uh, Eugene has ended up in bed with his wife, and he's trying to escape. But his wife is basically drugged up on sleeping pills and is grabbing him and saying stuff like, "Oh God, you're never like this. Oh God." Meanwhile, Joe Don Baker is in the fucking room, taking off his clothes and getting into his pajamas. Dorfus is in the wardrobe, shaking like a leaf, and I'm assuming farting. He leaves the room while farting, and Joe Don. This is the bit where I thought Joe Don Baker deserves everything he gets <laughs> because his wife it sounds exactly like she's having like a, a seizure. And he basically shrugs and doesn't look at the wife and Eugene in in sort of dry humping each other. And he doesn't even turn his head and say, are you right, love? Mm. Um, No, he just, he just rolls over. And then the button of the scene is him eventually going downstairs and Dorfus is at the front door at 2am trying to shout up to uh, Eugene. "Um, Oh, I just want to say it's, it's time to go now. And, Jodon Baker's like, what are you talking about? And then Eugene just plops down right next to Dorfus, clearly having escaped from Jodon Baker's house. And he does not question it in the slightest. And I think, I mean, it was proper <sighs> confessions of a window cleaner territory yeah. there. And and this also, again, this is the bit where where Eugene and Dorfus arrives with the sleeping Mrs. Rutter. And Dorf is saying, This is your chance to um, I wrote it down assert here.
0: your manhood.
1: Eugene, this could be your chance to pop your cork, he says while literally on top of a sleeping woman. What's just about saves it, then? Your mileage may vary. Eugene does immediately measly go, Ooh, don't even joke. Yeah, thank fuck for that.
0: Yes, it skirts the line. And then later on, completely cogent, Mrs. Rutter. Does want to get with Dorfus. Mm. So it suggests that. That's
1: obviously really sexy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, all it does is lead to the fact that so Eugene and Dorfus, and now Patsy, who's been stirred by the whole commotion in the house, they make their escape while. Rutter is distracted by the cousins and they head back to the arcade where Jeff has decided to throw a private party at 2 a.m. and he's told all of his friends to invite their girls because he likes girls in pajamas especially. Mm-hmm. Rutter arrives at the party again trying to track down Patsy and it's that which spurs him to unleash a spontaneous public demonstration <laughs> against the arcade. Uh, the next day. I did like how they kept calling it spontaneous public demonstration. Yeah, the the reporter at the demonstration the next morning says, we're at a spontaneous public demonstration to shut down the arcade, which was maybe the only joke I was like, that's funny. <laughs>
1: um, well, I'd say actually this is the point where I think they've got the sexy stuff out of the way. And for the most part, they lay on the jokes and actually i found a lot of stuff i a lot of humor i quite enjoyed or at least performances i quite enjoyed in this um second half later on um when the uh protest falls through because the protesters actually end up getting free video game tokens and end up really enjoying video games and so that was that was nice and then i think the next step is uh, Rutter trying to incite uh, some violence within the arcade, and he enlists the help of King Vidiot, who um, leads this uh, pack of, of girls called Vidiotz, and he's like a proper eighties punk. He reminds me of Return of the Living Dead. And talking about fun dialogue, there is a bit. So there's a bit when Joe Don Baker says to King Vidiot, um, "If you're half the idiot I think you are," and then he's interrupted. King Vidiot says.
0: I am half the idiot you think I am. Which uh, I thought that was good dialogue. I think King Vidiot is one of the more interesting characters in the film. So he loves the arcade and him and his Vidiot who jerk around in strange motion like they're pixelated characters. They kind of go ee ee
1: ee Yeah, they um, munchkins. So me yeah,
0: of uh, but he leads this posse and they love
1: the arcade. Mm. I think in an interesting inversion, punks are you were usually depicted as badasses, but these guys they feel like they feel left out. I think King Vidia is a sensitive soul. Hey, Vidia! Hey, well, I see the uh, gangs all here. Huh? Hey,
0: what's the idea? Opening up and not alerting the Vidiot? We
1: see we're not open. We took care of a little business, and now we're celebrating. You're gonna have to leave because this party is private.
0: Well, why can't we stay?
1: I told you, I, we're not open. Well, uh. I'll tell you what. Uh, how about if uh, we play for it? you against me? And if I win, we stay. If you win, we leave. No, now, you know I never play these games. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. You pick your best player, him against me. And if, if he
0: wins, no problems, I leave.
1: You got a game. And <laughs> 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 Dorfus.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> and the game is... <laughs> Satan's all over. I feel like a lot of punks in 80s movies are played by people who are not punks and therefore they go as big as possible. I was wondering in their interactions together whether Joe Don Baker was actually a little, really a little bit scared <laughs> of the performance. So the actor is um, John Grease, G-R-I-E-S. G-R-I-E-S. Um, I looked him up on IMDb. He plays Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite. Also, I re- noted he's also played several werewolves, it said, okay. on his uh, profile. But um, he's
0: been in Lost. He's been hmm. in a couple of Taken movies. Hmm. Because now the demonstrators are getting free tokens for handing in their placards and can play King Vidiot, uh, says that Jeff has sold out now that these old, old guys are playing the arcade games and, you know, gets thrown out of the arcade for... But
1: Jeff says, Any- we, we allow anyone to play these. But then says, you can't do it, yeah. King Vidiot.
0: Yeah. So Rutter enlists for help of King Vidiot and they have a meeting. And uh, I like the scene, King Vidiot turns up unannounced at Rutter's house. And Rutter says... Uh, Why didn't you meet me at my office? And he says, I don't like offices. And he says, well, why don't you come in through the door? Because he just enters through the sort of back window and says, I don't like doors. (laughs) And then Rudder says, well, have a seat. And he says, I don't like seats. And just knocks over a chair. (laughs) What do you want? He wants wheels. Yeah, he's a punk. He's a punk. He doesn't like anything apart from wheels. And so he's given the tiniest little motorcycles
1: I've ever seen. And I think that the plan is that he's to drive into the arcade and again make a nuisance. I think they want to get the law involved because Jolon Baker he just wants to get the mayor's attention and so far has failed. And so these little bikes drive into the arcade. And in fact, I, I, look, I found a review on Letterboxd for this film by a chap called Jake, just says. I wish I loved anything in life as much as King Vidiot enjoys rolling deep into the arcade and tiny motorcycles with his Pac-Man honeys.
0: <laughs> What's in it for him is that Rutter promises that he'll buy him a video game machine mm. if the arcade gets shut down. And that's all he wants is my own video game. Yeah, just one game, though.
1: <laughs> if Joe Don Baker wanted to coerce you into do, causing some shit in an arcade, what one video game would you do it for? Point blank. That's a good choice, yeah. Good, good choice. Um, Star Trek, The Next Generation Pinball Machine. Okay. That's my jam. Yeah. I, I, I discovered that in a bowling alley recently. I kind of dropped to my knees. It's it glorious.
0: At the altar of Picard pinball mm. version.
1: I can only hope the new Picard series um, generates yet more pinball <laughs> shenanigans. It's about a man coming to terms with his uh, legacy and his age and uh, multi balls. <laughs> Um, these shenanigans do, I mean, this is a very shenanigan heavy movie, but this particular shenanigans does draw the attention of the mayor. And, um, we have a traditional council meeting, council meeting. We love our council meetings and movies. Yeah. When this council meeting came to the end, I looked at the clock and there was 20 minutes to go and I thought, oh, (laughs) (laughs) oh. This trial, this council meeting, I thought was a whole heap of fun. I thought it was my favourite bit of the film. Um, Not least because um, we have some um, very interesting characters as witnesses. We have a a coach called, I think it's called Coach Straight. And he says the line, uh, Most of my boys are addicted to these damn video games. It's worse than dope or booze or even women. (laughs) uh there's also a nurse who talks at length about pac-man arthritis a lot of people looking at their hands and uh she says joysticks are a hotbed of germs germs but then i think my favorite two bits of the film are the joe don baker's uh description of what it's like in the arcade and it's like from it's like a layer of hell it is uh lot of um, very violent mud wrestling. (laughs) Like, if you watch
0: it, they are not sexy wrestling. This is like, you know, to the death. There's definitely, I think, at one point, one of them kicks their opponent in the face Mm. during the mud wrestle. His vision of the arcade he's describing is a vision of hell. It's this kind of bacchanalian... Orgy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, I think, a sign shaped like a penis which says a game called the progenitor, the sperm giver, <laughs> which I don't want to know what that game That's is. My nickname, Eugene, is in some sort of S getup. I think mm-hmm. uh, uh,
1: Dorfus is like full hedonism bots with the grapes. Yeah, yeah. And um, gotta say though, uh, I would like to go there. <laughs> And we cut back to um, the coach straight and the nurse who are also like looking lovingly thinking, oh, this sounds nice. So it's kind of funny because only only Joe Don Baker is thinking this is a a bad thing. But we also hear Jeff's uh, white of and white take on his own arcade, which is very heavenly. And it's all very blissful and funny. And um, Eugene's at the milk bar serving milk and a lady goes... Oh, I'm sorry, Eugene. I accidentally rubbed my breast up against you. No harm done, Candy. And they all give a shit-eating grin. <laughs> and then the camera pans to Dorfus with the Pope. I think, yeah. The Pope is saying, um, well, hot dog, these hot dog and beans you've cooked are delicious. And Dorfus says, Oh yes, wasn't it Paul who said, Whoever smelteth first, dealteth first. Which is about as, as highbrow as Dorfus gets. And then we, we the button is the, it's a classic bit you get in a lot of '80s movies or a lot of courtroom cases in films where surprise witness. Who is the surprise witness? Patsy. Oh right, yes. Testifies against his own dad, and Joe Don Baker completely flips out, which mm. doesn't help his case at all. As I said, the the final button is he, he's resting his whole case on just how this is a a hotbed of debauchery, and he has he he would never go there. And then they have a photo of Joe Don baker in the arcade surrounded by surprise ladies who are topless and also currently still under the impression they're being, about to be burnt alive. <laughs> um, the mayor says, I see it's not breaking any laws, so I see no reason to keep it, t- t- to close it. That's when Joe Dun baker says, well, if you're not breaking any laws, look at this dead rat I'm about to plant. And Jeff goes, oh, if there's nothing you won't stoop to and then they throw down a gauntlet they say tell you what i will challenge you to a game jeff says we will challenge you to a game and if we win we you'll never trouble us again if you win we will close the arcade i feel this is a bit foolhardy of jeff because he
0: he just wants rutter off his back for good Mm, yeah so they're fighting for the fate of the arcade And Rutter nominates King Vidiot, and Jeff nominates Dorfus, and the choice of game is Super Pac-Man, but the next day, Dorfus is a no-show, and it's up to Jeff to take his place, and that's when we get the reveal of why he can't play video games.
1: And Dorfus, the only reason he's not there is because he's been tied up by the
0: cousins, the baddies. So it's the big finale... They're playing Super Pac-Man. Jeff is losing horribly. Uh, King Videot is winning so comfortably that he just quits while he's ahead. But just when all is lost, Dorfus appears having been rescued out of being tied up by Mrs. Rutter, who he awakened through his farts, and then promised that he'd be able to get new young bodies for her to have sex with. <sighs> <laughs> It's bad when you're watching it. It sounds even worse when you're describing it. <laughs> and uh, meanwhile, at this time, the mayor has shown up at the arcade to scope and look around and has now become addicted to video games yeah, himself.
1: I quite like the the his li- eyes light up when yeah. he starts playing,
0: uh, um, I think I mentioned it earlier, is it Gorf? Oh, OK. I, it was some sort of Space Invaders mm. ripoff, I'm not sure. But Dorfus arrives just in time and is about to step up. And then Eugene says, no, wait. It's up to Jeff to face his fears Ooh, work through his trauma work through his trauma and Try to find
1: kind of, these little nuggets of positive messaging I think really yeah. works
0: that there is a there is positivity about this the, the idea of the arcade is like giving kids a place to belong and
1: so how, how do things wrap up? Well Jeff wins. Jeff wins. Again, he, he, he did it to, himself.
0: Yeah, he faces his fears. He succeeds. Victory is his and it's tokens on the house for all.
1: What happens to Joan Don Baker? Does his skull get crushed? I forget.
0: No, but he does try and crush the skulls of his his nephews. <laughs>
1: oh, he's banging him against the
0: wall, does not he? Yeah, he literally... You two doofuses, like, mm. knots their heads together in a fit of rage. Mm. Because they let, <laughs> they let Dorfus escape. Yeah, meanwhile... The business that he runs has been like completely leaderless for about <laughs> two, two weeks. It's like, I'm going to take some vacation. I've got to shut down the local video arcade. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is when Grandpa rides back. Oh, it's the
1: super happy ending for yeah. Wayne's
0: Worlds. Grandpa arrives back. Sandy is here, reunited with Jeff at last. And uh, all is well.
1: Mm. And I think the final scene is Eugene being taken to a. A motel where Mrs. Rutter is there with a cat o' nine tails and bondage gear, and yeah, so it so it ends. But I guess Joe Don Baker will be very annoyed to hear that this happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If he even cares, because like I said, he seems to just be totally uninvolved with his uh, his wife's comings and goings and sleepings and things. So I don't know.
0: I, I, I guess There's a very sad story. That exists within the Rutter household, which mm. this film touches on. And you see Peach sort of, but... You're just in a rut. Yeah. Uh, I would like to see the sequel, I think. I, I'm sure Eugene will rut her very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we thought about doing this film, we were kind of in the
1: 80s mood because of Snatch And we were looking to do something... Maybe a little less cerebral than the last two films we have done because Final Fantasy was very much about spirituality and what happens after you die. Uh, Bandersnatch was about the nature of ch- choice and free will. This is probably as shallow as you can get, but with all that in mind, is it something you would recommend,
0: Rory? I like that this film exists. <laughs> <laughs> I, I it's it's as we said it's a time capsule product of its time it's interesting to go back and watch it it was it did reasonably well for what it was when it was first released not a huge hit by any means but it made the box office top 10 it made about four million dollars total which I think is probably making back its budget fairly comfortably I mean there's no other video game
1: movies to compare it to really so if you liked arcades, then this is for you. Yeah,
0: uh, sure. I don't know necessarily whether it's a film to recommend. Not first date movie? No. I was <laughs> thinking it's definitely more booby than I thought it was going to be, but it's also not as troublesome as it potentially could have been. Mm. So for that, it's a relief. And I would say as long as you're in the mindset and know what it is, and that it's a product of its time, and you're prepared for what that entails, then it's not as disgusting and seedy as you might think it could be. But it's not boring, but it's not necessarily very interesting. And I think it really, when it has all the sort of antics with the cousins and stuff in the middle, it gets pretty tiresome. When it's focused on the... I was worried when we picked it, just would it actually be anything to do with video games whatsoever? Mm. And to that extent, it is. There's, you know, two big video game face-offs. There's lots of footage of games. It's very much talking about video game culture and how the grown-ups view video games. And
1: it's it's portraying video games in a positive light. The baddies hate them.
0: Yeah, so, you know, you have these grown-ups and, you know, the squares and stuff who are saying it's all debauched and oh, decadent filth.
1: No, sorry, you've reminded me of perhaps my favourite line. I think I think maybe it should be the tagline of this podcast. It says, As you know, we are here to extinguish the filth and the decadence that is commonly referred to as video game entertainment. Yeah.
0: That's basically video game movies this film is very much celebrating video games and that you know yes it has slobs and weirdos playing them and suggests a certain amount of video game addiction is bad for you like even when the mayor gets hooked at video games at the end it's like oh video games are great even the mayor likes them but also he's wild in the eyes and it's give like me a, token, oh, give me a token, god this guy's now been broken by video games I think it's all a bit of fun, though. I mean,
1: it shows that everyone can enjoy them. And again, it's funny, in this day and age, there there appears to be a bro culture in video games. But um, yeah, it's just everyone was enjoying them back then.
0: But it is not a very well-made movie. And it does have a lot of misfiring jokes where, you know, you can't help just roll your eyes and groan (laughs) at what's happening on screen. So it's very hit and miss. Mm. It's pretty sloppy.
1: But it has that, I think, gonzo enthusiasm that you often get in these really low-budget movies. It has personality. Mm. I would agree. I would mostly agree with you. I think the day I, I watched this yesterday, and I feel in that time, my feelings towards it has become more positive than perhaps I felt right after finishing it. I think it's definitely worth checking out if you're curious. Though... If you are just curious, then once you've got past that first half hour of boobies, there's not much else. (laughs) Um, But if if you fancy watching it for its plots, then you really can start watching it after the first half hour and then you'll be done within an hour. So, yeah, I agree. It's a it's a nice time capsule. I had no idea this film existed until we were again doing research um, for what to do next yeah, I'm glad that we're just doing something which is less about like an adaptation of an existing IP. This is more about the culture of video games of that time.
0: Yeah, I'm just glad we're not doing a film like this every single week.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, yeah, I'm not sure I could do a '80s teen sets comedy podcast. That's a depressing thought. Without isn't it? my soul being. Oh my, goodness. gradually eaten not- away, and I thought that was going to be the case with a video game movie-based podcast, mm. but here we are. No, we've long been desensitised to that. <laughs> so,
1: though we're now leaving the '80s, we're not quite leaving retro games behind us because the plot of our next movie uses a oh, this is depressing, a retro game at its core. Even though I guess the game was made in the '90s, so ooh. It is the sequel to the Robin Williams classic. It is Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. So yeah, it's a relatively recent film, but there's a sequel coming out later in the year. So we thought this would be a good time to have a look-see at our, our I think, third rock movie of the podcast. Third The Rock movie. Third The Rock movie. He's not just a rock, is he, he is the rock. Is he the, is he the Dwayne Johnson as well? Yes. Okay. <laughs> So, starring the Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, Jumanji, welcome to The Jungle. Check it out for our next podcast. But in the meantime, how could people get in touch and keep following us?
0: You can visit our website, gamesonfilmwitchsitecom podcast or through tinyurl.com slash gofpod. That has all the links to where you can contact us, as well as links to how you can support the show and more information about video game movies in general. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at gamesonfilmpod. And you can email us, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at Rory Steele. I'm at only man who can, And you can find all episodes of the podcast through soundcloud.com slash gamesonfilmpod, as well as all the usual podcast outlets. So please look it up and uh, share with friends, like and subscribe and give us a rating. And the music for this episode was composed by David Lightfoot. Harry, do you have anything to plug? I'm still doing stand-up comedy, so just look for Harry Steele Comedian and you'll find finally... me. And you can also get involved with the video game community and play video games on a big screen as well with events I hold through Gamer Disco in and around London. So look up Gamer Disco on the socials too.
1: Well, um, I think we've found quite a lot to say about this movie, but um, it's all behind us now. I've been Harry.
0: I've been Rory. So
1: so join us next time where we'll be continuing to discuss movies based on Totally totally Awesome awesome Video Games!